Hi, good morning. Woo! Well done. Here we go. Right. So as a church, we've been spending a few weeks reading a letter. Um, It was a letter that was written 2,000 years ago nearly. But it's a letter that could have been written yesterday. It's a letter from a guy with a real father's heart. And we're going to unpack that statement a bit later. And he's writing it to a bunch of people, some of whom he knows, some of whom he's never met. And the more exciting thing is that in his heart he knows he's writing this letter for generations to come. That's you and me. So he's writing this letter to us so we can read it with confidence. And it would have come via a courier with great excitement and would have been given to the people in the group who could read because not everybody could read. And it would have been read out and discussed with excitement and thought about and talked about and acted upon. And I wonder if that's how we approach the Sunday morning sermon. (laughs) With excitement, (laughs) hopefully. (laughs) And something to be acted upon. Okay, it's fresh. Now... One of the quotes I read about this letter was that it's a little bit like a bombshell dropping into our lives. If we read it with receptive hearts and receptive minds and receptive spirits. Now, I also listened. We've we've already read a portion of the letter, you understand. There was a bit that Andy read, which was about God choosing us and God filling us and bringing us into relationship with Jesus and filling us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've listened to the bit that Lois uh, read out to us, which was about that power and that relationship with Jesus making us alive. We were dead. Before we're in a relationship with Jesus, we're dead. It might look sparkly, like a Fabergé egg, but it's dead. And... That relationship brings us alive. And she talked about looking for the things that bring us alive. And then I listened to the portion of the letter that Steve read out, which was about that power and that life taking the deepest divisions in society and the deepest divisions between ethnic groups and making them as if they didn't exist, doing away with them. So already this letter's had quite a lot in it. And I get what I think is the most exciting bit. Now, really, we could just read it, stop, and take the roof off in worship, but probably that's not what I've been asked to do this morning. (laughs) Remember, well, no, I'll I'll read it first. Okay. So this is from Ephesians. Uh, it's, It's the letters chunked up, and people put chapters and numbers, and just to help us find our way about it. So it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Yes. This is a prayer. Can you feel the emotion? Can you feel Paul's emotion rising and rising and rising until he gets to the end and he's going, whoa, it's immeasurably more. People have likened this this, uh, passage to climbing a staircase. You might get out of breath and a bit giddy by the top, but you get a great view. And that's what this passage of scripture is about. Let's just have a quick look at how Paul prays. He prays with passion. He prays with confidence. He prays with knowledge and he prays with expectation. We know he prays with passion because he says, uh, for this reason I kneel. Now his reason is all that's gone before. The relationship with Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the being made alive, the healing of division. He says, for this reason, for all of this, I kneel. Jews usually prayed standing up. The places in the Bible where it talks about people kneeling are places where there's extreme emotion and passion. Jesus knelt when he prayed to his father just before he was crucified. He was deeply overcome and he knelt. So Paul here is deeply overcome for these people. He kneels, he prays with passion. And he prays with confidence because of everything that's gone before. Everything he knows about God. And he prays with knowledge because he knows the Father. Now I'm aware that talking about fathers and families is is like a loaded statement. I can't go into it this morning. I can't go into issues of bad families and bad fathers and bad parenting or even issues of gender. I can't go into all that. Can we just pretend, if we didn't have, that we had the daddy we would have designed for us if we could? The best, the tops, the one that never let us down, that was always strong, that was always there for us that was always wise, that was always knowledgeable. Can we pretend if we didn't have that, that we did? And know that that's the father Paul's praying to. He's praying to God as father in an overarching, cosmic, all-embracing sense. The absolute essence of fatherhood, the absolute completeness of fatherhood is who he's praying to. It gives him a lot of confidence. And he's praying with expectation because he says, and this is brilliant, he says, I pray that out of his, that's God's, glorious riches. So he knows that the measure God is going to use to answer his prayer is not our little centimeters and ounces, grams. It's God's measure God's riches, 
God's limits. There aren't any. It's from God himself that he's asking God to answer. So he is well up there with what's going to happen as a result of this prayer that he's praying for us. Okay, this morning. He understands everything that's available for God's people in Father God. And in the family of God. Because fathers are not fathers if they don't have a family. So what does he pray? He prays that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen us with power through his spirit in our innermost being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. He's praying for a total makeover. He's praying for change at the deepest deepest level. He's praying for what was before to become what's after. I love those makeover programs. You know, when they go into a house that's kind of, you know, DIY SOS, anybody ever watched? Or is it just me? Um, Occasionally. (laughs) When I'm ironing. Um, And they go in and there's this complete wreck of a place and they transform it. And I go, oh, I'd love somebody to come and do that in my house. But you know what? I'd more love somebody to come and do that in my life. Yeah? That's what Paul's praying for. Change at the deepest level. The innermost being. Do you know where your innermost being is? I've discovered where mine resides. It's about here. (laughs) What I feel deeply, I feel here. Positive and negative. Now, some people feel it here. Some people feel it here. You'll know where your innermost being is. But you know when your innermost being is speaking. You'll know. It's heart level, it's gut level, it's deep, it's a deep, deep place. And Paul is praying for for strength in the deepest place. Now, these people are already in a relationship with God. They already have the Holy Spirit in their lives. He's not praying for a first time thing here. Although if you've never done that, This is a good day to choose to start. Come and ask us. He's praying for people who already have a relationship. And he's praying here that that relationship will go deeper. That it will change. That it will be active. There'll be an active and ever deepening work of the Holy Spirit in their innermost being. And he's praying that as a result of that work, Christ will dwell. Now, this this word dwell is interesting. It's not like dropping into the Premier Inn for a night. Lenny, Henry and all. It's not like a quick visit. This kind of word dwelling has the sense of um, the master of the estate arriving back, taking the dust covers off the furniture... Blowing out the records of what's been going on and going, right, I'm here to run the joint. I'm here to check the rooms and the plumbing and the wallpaper and the carpets and the curtains and the garden and the farms and the hedges. And the, I'm here to run everything. And Paul is praying that Christ may dwell in us so that he is running everything. 
so that he's in charge, that we live lives powered by the Holy Spirit. And this is by faith. Now, faith I've often thought of as, mm, faith, oh, is it growing yet? Oh, faith, oh, it's hard work. That's not faith. Faith is an ongoing, growing relationship of trust between us and Jesus. Um, I, I want to put a bit of testimony in here, if it's all right. I'm not sure how I'll do. I'll do my best. <laughs> I, think, I hope Keith's got the tissues. Um, in September 2017, I found myself in my heart praying for more depth with God. I, had, I felt like I had breadth in my life, but I, I wanted more depth. Oh, Lord, give me more depth. You know, God often prepares us for what's coming. He doesn't send stuff to teach us a lesson. He prepares our hearts to receive things. Uh, November 2017, I went to the doctor with some fairly nebulous unspecific symptoms and found myself on a very fast-moving escalator downwards towards the diagnosis of cancer, which is a little bit, some of you know this, like somebody's taken a rug and gone, and you've landed flat on your back, and there you are. We'd, we had a year planned. We had a year, this is my husband sitting at the front here. We had a fabulous year planned, travel and all sorts of things we were going to do. So that got torn out and put in the bin. They said to me, what do you do for, for, for work? I said, oh, I go into schools. And they went, you can't do that because you catch germs. So our plans went, my job went. Basically, my sense of independence my sense of control went. Um, it was very much for me, we, we sit, we sit in, in bed in our house and we look out of our bedroom window and we see a picture of a tree. That's the tree that we see. That's not our house, by the way, just in case you thought it's grand. Um, and we watch this tree being stripped of all its leaves. And I looked at the other, that's my life. It is stripped. It has been stripped of everything. And as the tree was stripped, we saw the shape of the tree that had been hidden by the leaves. And as my life was stripped, I saw the shape of what was hidden by activity. And I thought, I don't really like that very much, that shape, Father God. I'm sorry. I need you to get your clippers out and do some pruning here and change that shape. And uh, there's, there's a uh, verse in Matthew where Jesus is speaking and he says, happy are those who know their need of God. And I realized that the leaves of activity had hidden my need of God. The independence and the control had hidden my need of God. And when it was all stripped away... I saw how desperately I needed God. And a, big, and a big happiness started to grow in me. A joy started to grow in me. George identifies with this. A joy started to grow in me that I needed God. Um, and 
I started to reach out to the Holy Spirit for strength in my innermost being because I realized I didn't have any. You know those gymnasts need a really strong core to do all that clever stuff? My innermost being was really flabby. And I had to reach out to God for strength and for a deeper relationship of trust with Jesus. Um, And I watched God do things in my innermost being. So Paul's asking for that. And I felt like God was answering my prayers. He was going deeper. But not in the way that I'd expected him to. Paul's asking for some foundational love for all of us. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul wants us to be rooted and grounded in love. He knows about our faith. He knows about our relationship of trust. He knows that everything depends on us laying hold of how much God loves us. He uses uh, the picture of a tree. And then he uses an architectural term about foundations. See, a tree will withstand things to the extent that its roots go down. We've currently got garden fence panels that have blown over. But the trees haven't. The trees go down. The fence panels don't. He knows that the tree will grow as it draws in through its roots nourishment. Oh, well, water technically, but we won't get biological. He knows that a building is only as strong as its foundations. And he knows that we have to have love. And the more we grasp that God loves us, ha, then we can soar outwards to discover the dimensions of God's love. When we're grounded in it, we can explore it. And it's boundless. We have the power to explore it. Now, what he's saying about this love, it's great for us individually. But that won't do it, you know. This father is the father of a family. And this love is worked out corporately. Here, here, this is where we work out the love. We can't hope to discover the the dimensions of God's love on our own. We can't do it without being in relationship with God's people. So Paul is praying for the family of God. For me, last year was all about learning about love. I realized quite quickly at the beginning of the process that I mistrusted God's motives in my life. That I'd been a Christian for many, many years, but somewhere deep down, I thought God might just be out to get me. 
And as the year progressed, I learned one thing above all other things, that God's motives in my life always have been, are, and always will be love. There are no other motives. God has no other agenda other than love, Bex. And I experienced in a new way the interplay between other emotions and love. I experienced that when my innermost being was terrified, I couldn't get hold of the love of God. And when I got hold of the love of God, the fear couldn't stay. I discovered that anxiety and worry couldn't stay if I got hold of the love of God. I discovered that self-pity couldn't live with gratitude. I discovered that there were so many lies in my life that I had given room to that when I found the love of God, they had to go. And how did I experience most of that? Well, I experienced it in two ways. One was God's remarkable presence. Now, I floated these stories past Keith. I said, can I, can I tell those stories? He said, yeah, go on. <laughs> Quite early on in the process, those of you who've been through this will know that you have a thing called an MRI scan. Some of you may have had MRI scans for other reasons. An MRI scan is rather like the experience of a sausage being stuffed into a skin. <laughs> so you're like this, except you're like this, which is even worse. And not only do they shove you into a sausage skin, somebody then starts digging up the road outside it. So, so you're lying there. Now, the hospital's cold because it's November. I am scared witless because I don't know what they're going to find in these pictures, and I don't like the process anyway. So I've got my eyes closed, so I don't know that I'm in a sausage skin, and I'm praying my boots off. And suddenly, I had this sense that God was with me, really with me, lying next to me in the MRI scanner. And I started to giggle because I thought, Lord, there's not room for the both of us in here. <laughs> and I spent the rest of the... It went on for ages. It goes on forever. Just smiling because God and I were there together and there really wasn't enough room. So when people talk about the presence of God, it's, oh, it's really practical. <laughs> the other time was when I went up to have my hair shaved off because my hair started coming out in chunks. It was worse than keeping a dog. And seriously, rather than hoovering it up all the time, I thought it needs to go. So I went up to the hairdresser to have it all whizzed off. So I'm walking up Whitney High Street to go bald. Now, I always really liked my hair. <laughs> It was a shame. So, you know, it should have been quite distressing. And I'm walking along and I really suddenly had this picture of the Holy Spirit on one arm and Jesus on the other with their hands linked through mine and we're sashaying up Whitney High Street together. And it was a ball. I mean, it was great. So the presence of God came and in some strange way he understood what would help me. <laughs> But the other way I learned about God's motives and love was w interacting with God's family. If I'd been on my own, it wouldn't have worked out last year like it did. 
the family. I'm not going to do names because it'll sound like an Oscar speech. (laughs) And then I'll start praying for world peace and then where will we be? (laughs) There was somebody who said to us, you don't want to be looking for a parking space at the Churchill. Get to the Churchill, I'll come on my bike, give me your car keys, I'll park the car for you, you guys can go in. And when I've found a parking space in the rain, I'll give you the keys back and go home. People bought meals. They didn't just bring meals, they bought meals <laughs> with flowers and cards and a bottle of beer for Keith and chocolate and they bought meals. People came who didn't have the time to come and hoovered my house and cleaned my toilet. People came and took me for a walk. I mean, I really did need taking out for a walk. I needed somebody to hang on to because I was too wobbly to walk me around the block or walk me around Whitney to try and change my library books. People came and planted bulbs that I didn't believe I'd ever see. They planted bulbs in the winter, Ruth, (laughs) when I didn't think I'd see the spring. And I kept looking at them and then they started coming up. I thought, maybe I will see the spring. And do you know what? They're coming up again for the second time. People prayed with us and for us. People took time out to talk to us and share their experiences, which were hard for them to share because they were reliving painful things. I I felt that I wanted a WhatsApp group. I wanted people to pray with me. and, And God set me off starting this WhatsApp group and I called it holding up my arms because I thought I can't do this. There's a a story in the Bible where Moses is fighting a battle and he gets tired and every time his arms fall down it feels like the battle's going against and every time he lifts his arms up the battle and so somebody stood on either side and held his arms up when he didn't have the strength to hold his arms up and that's how I felt And uh, I started a WhatsApp group. And this WhatsApp grew. People kept asking to join it. And then it grew way beyond me. It wasn't about me, was it? It became about everybody in the group interacting and encouraging each other and praying for each other and affirming each other. And it was amazing. And then it morphed into something else and it's still going. And, you know, there were days when it felt like touching heaven interacting with God's family in all of this in a way that I'd never experienced before but there was a temptation that I had to fight against Um, I found myself in hospital one night I was very very frightened and very much in pain everything had gone bits of me were literally dropping off or falling out or had been chopped off. (laughs) And I was deeply afraid and very sad. And I couldn't feel like I could get, you know, there were days when I couldn't access God. It was harder. And Keith came to see me the following morning. And after a bit, he said, I've just observed something. He said, I've observed you'd had three messages this morning. People saying they'd like to pop up and see you and you've turned every one of them down. Why is that? And I just sobbed. I said, I have nothing to offer anybody. And he said, that's not the point. 
And the next person who offered to come, I said, yes, please. And they came, and there I was with nothing. But when they'd gone, I felt a little bit closer. And then somebody else came, and I felt a little bit closer. And Lynn brought in a picnic of smoked salmon, because the food's rubbish. (laughs) And I felt a little bit closer. And some people from my missional community came to see me. And we had to go into the little lounge bit to chat. And when they'd gone, the other ladies in my ward said, you've got a big family. I said, well, no, actually, I haven't got a big family. I've got a very small biological family. I said, but I've got a church family. I said, and they are my brothers and sisters, because I don't have natural ones. I said, they really are. I said, it's not just a church. These are my brothers and sisters. So, yes, I do have a big family. And that self-pity that told me I couldn't relate to the family of God when I had nothing to offer was robbing me. And people came, and they didn't seem to care that I didn't have any hair or fingernails or anything sensible to say. Or that I just fell asleep when they were there. (laughs) They kept coming. And I realized... If we're going to know the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of God, we have to let other people show us. We have to let other people in. There'll be days when we're the ones giving that love out and there'll be days when we can't. And it doesn't matter which way round it goes because this is family And Paul prays, he he gets carried away now, doesn't he? He prays that we'll know the full dimensions of the unknowable. He knows what he's praying is impossible. And he prays so much more. He prays that God will do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now, don't get confused here. I can imagine winning the lottery if I bought a ticket. That's not the kind of... I can imagine having a very nice car. I can imagine being a size 10 and 30 years younger. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Paul's imagining and asking is according to to the power of God at work in us. Yeah? It's what God puts in us to dream and ask and to imagine. And... um. He's praying something outrageous here. He prays for the fullness of God in us. He appears to be asking, according to the Greek and what have you, that we will be filled like God is full, that we will be filled like Jesus, that we will know God's love in the way that Jesus knows it, in its completeness. Now, I don't know about you, but... Are you feeling dizzy at the top of the stairs yet? Because, wow. Now, he is obviously praying about eternity. He is praying about where we will all end up. I I don't know that eternity and heaven are a specific place. I don't know. But they are a level of relationship. And a level of fullness. And he's praying that we'll get there. But he's also praying that we start the journey now. That we get on the road that's going to take us there. 
That's what he's praying. So much more. It's a little bit like trying to explain to a baby that's not been born what life is like. That. Go on. Ah, come on. Come on. That is my newest grandchild, uh, who is three and a half weeks old. And um, before she was born, so a month ago, she never breathed air. She never taken food. She never felt her limbs extend beyond about here. She never touched anything other than fluid. She never put her feet down. She never seen a face. She'd heard muffled voices. Can you imagine if I tried to explain to her, Joni, one day you walk and run and jump and laugh and eat steak and chips <laughs> and fall in love. She'd go, what? What? I haven't got the language for that. We haven't got the language for what God's got for us. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's amazing it starts now. This is my favorite piece of scripture because God led me to it first at a very, very dark time many years ago. And every single time in my life when I've been struggling, somebody has read it out or sent it me. God's used it. And I feel like over 30 years ago, God started to say to me, I want you to know about love and I want you to know about family. And every time the cart feels like it's coming off the rails in my life. He's come back and gone, I want you to learn about love and I want you to learn about family. The message hasn't changed, Eileen. Can we just go down a layer? And last year it was, I want you to know about love and I want you to know about family. Could we go down many layers all at once this time? But I've got a challenge in life now. I'm feeling better. I've got hair and fingernails and everything. (laughs) To all intents and purposes, as far as I know, as far as any of us know, I'm, I'm okay. And already, I can feel the leaves starting to clutter the shape. And the things coming back in. The noise, the independence, the, the sense of control in my life. How do I find the deep love of God in my innermost being and live a normal, productive, ordinary life? Because I'm not suggesting that God keeps us all in a state of crisis to learn it. I'm beginning to learn what clutters up my life and stops it happening and I'm beginning to try and get rid of it. And it will be different for all of us. You know, the list's long, isn't it? Who you've spent time with, what you watch, what you read, how full you fill your diary. Oh, I used to love those days when my diary was full from (laughs) first thing in the morning to last thing at night. Oh, I must be so important. People must love me so much. God took it all away and I thought, oh, now I like it when there are spaces that God might fill. I'm learning. It's coming. I'm learning that gratitude needs to be a big part of my life, 
not whinging and moaning. I'm learning that praying isn't about going to God and then getting on with life. Praying is about climbing on his knee. I literally felt times last year when almost physically I felt God pick me up in his arms and hold me to his heart. And then we talked. I'm learning that that's what prayer can still be. And this sense of snuggling in before I say anything. Stilling my spirit from all the stuff. And I'm asking myself, and could I presume to ask you too, two questions. What steps do we need to take to allow God to work in us more deeply? To allow God's power into our innermost being. And where and how do we need to connect with this church family of God? to experience more of God's love. And if you feel you have nothing to offer, and if you feel on the outside, remember, that's the time when you let people in most. Maybe start with one person. Maybe start finding a midweek group. Maybe open up things that you've just kept hidden in the dark. Maybe start doing something for the church. I don't know what it will be for you, but I am trying to keep working at staying connected with God's family and connected with the power of God in my innermost being because then I know, then I know that I will experience the length and the depth and the height of the love of God and to know it even though it's unknowable.